Hi there and welcome to episode 21 of the Rich Witch Podcast. And we're finally getting to the end of our second book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I have to tell you, this has been a huge book. And uh, because I've had a lifetime of bad habits, I guess it has triggered me in many ways. And I've actually found it quite difficult to finish. That's why it's sort of languishing a little bit longer than I would have liked. But I hope that you are making progress with your habits and that some of the things that have been spoken about in this podcast over the last few weeks have helped you deal with a few of those things and maybe uh, helped you assert your habits uh, a a little bit differently or work with them a little bit differently. Um, But as we come to the end, I found one or two things that are really interesting here in the book that I did want to mention. One of them is in chapter 17 about uh, an accountability partner and having an accountability partner to help you with your habits and how that can change everything. Now, he talks about having a habit contract where you can actually talk to your accountability partner or um, I know that you've often seen in the movies where, for example, if someone comes out of jail or prison in America, they have to go in and uh, meet uh, someone at an allocated time every week or every day uh, to kind of post in and go, yeah, I'm here, I haven't absconded anywhere, I'm doing the right thing. So I guess an accountability partner is, is, is a little bit like that. And he goes to say, he goes on to say that you can create a contract uh, between yourself and your accountability partner, and the contract may be exactly as um, I mentioned before, where you meet up once a week, whether that be face to face or uh, via the internet, via the internet, and that you uh, have a debrief and you account for the things that have happened or haven't happened during the week. So maybe your accountability partner um, will uh, ask you about your progress on a certain task that was assigned to you or that you assigned for yourself. And then you'll talk about why that worked or why that didn't work. And that's that's why programs work really well when the programs are assisted uh, by a special uh, meeting or a Facebook page where you can jump on in and you can discuss with others where you're at and what's what's happening for you. So these are usually uh, Facebook pages, private Facebook pages that might be associated with uh, a boot camp or a workshop or a challenge. And uh, the tutor invites everyone to come onto the Facebook page uh, and talk about the challenges or talk about the steps being taken in boot camp. And you can all talk about it. And it does make you accountable. It makes you connected and it makes you feel as though you're part of a group that is all striving to make a change or to do something different. So it's it's a really, really awesome way to make breaking habits attractive and to create something that is sustainable. 
Now, one thing that's also talked about in this book, Atomic Habits, is that your personality influences your habits. So your genes are operating beneath the surface of every habit and indeed beneath the surface of every behaviour. Genes have been shown to influence everything from the number of hours you spend watching TV to your likelihood to marry or divorce to your tendency to get addicted to drugs, alcohol or nicotine. There's a strong genetic component to how obedient or rebellious, rebellious you are. Well, that word's hard. Rebellious you are when facing authority or how vulnerable or resistant you are to stressful events or how proactive or reactive you tend to be. And even how captivated or bored you're going to feel during sensory experiences like attending a concert. So here are the five big personality traits that are going to have an impact on your general behavior. And this is really interesting. The first one is openness to experience. So from curious and inventive to one end, at one end, to cautious and consistent on the other. Now number two is with conscientiousness, organized and effective to easygoing and spontaneous. Then we have number three, extroversion, outgoing and energetic to solitary and reserved. So you're more likely to know them as introverts and extroverts. Agreeableness, friendly and compassionate to challenging and detached and neuroticism. Anxious and sensitive to confident, calm and stable. So all five characteristics have biological underpinnings. Extroverts, for example, can be tracked from birth. If scientists play a loud noise in a nursing ward, some babies turn toward it while others turn away. So when the researchers tracked these children through life, they found that babies who turned towards the noise were more likely to grow up as extroverts. And those who turned away were more likely to become introverts. Now, people who are high in agreeableness are kind and considerate and warm. They tend to have higher oxytocin levels, a hormone that plays an important role in social bonding. So you can easily imagine how someone with more oxytocin might be inclined to build habits like writing thank you notes or organising social events. We all know someone like that. Now, neuroticism is a personality trait all people possess to a various degree, but some people are high in neuroticism, that's neuroticism, and they tend to be anxious and worry more than others. So this trait is linked to hypersensitivity in the amygdala, the portion of the brain responsible for noticing threats. So in other words, people who are more sensitive to negative cues in their environment are more likely to score high in neuroticism. So our habits are not solely determined by our personalities, but there is no doubt that our genes nudge us in a certain direction. So this is really interesting because sometimes that would tell us that we are trying to fight mother nature in some of the things that we do or some of the habits that we have. And for some people, it's going to be terribly hard to break a particular habit because it is so ingrained in our character. Now, our genes do not eliminate the need for hard work. They clarify it. They tell us what to work hard on. Once we realize our strengths, we know where to spend our time and energy. 
We know which types of opportunities to look for and which types of challenges to avoid. The better we understand our nature, the better our strategy can be. So biological differences do matter. Even so, it's more productive to focus on whether you can fulfill your own potential than compare yourself to someone else. The fact that you have a natural limit to any specific ability has nothing to do with whether you are reaching the ceiling of your capabilities. People get so caught up in the fact that they have limits that they rarely exert the effort required to get close to them. Mm, That is interesting. Now, a summary of what I have just mentioned here and a little bit more. Okay, let's go for it. The secret to maximising your odds of success is to choose the right field of competition. Pick the right habit and progress is the progress will be easy, but pick the wrong habit and life is a struggle. Genes cannot be changed, which means they provide a powerful advantage in favourable circumstances and a serious disadvantage in unfavourable circumstances. Habits are easier when they align with your natural abilities. Choose the habits that best suit you. Play a game that favours your strengths. And if you can't find a game that favours your strengths, create one. And genes do not eliminate the need for hard work. They clarify it. They tell you what to work hard on. Now, I'm going to end with uh, another little bit of information here, a little bit further on. And it's about how to stay focused when you get bored working on your goals. Now, this is really interesting because he talks about a, uh, a trainer who said the difference between the best athletes and everyone else or really successful people and those that really aren't are a few factors that you might expect and that's genetics, luck and talent. But there's one more thing that... I totally agree with. I totally agree with here. And he says at some point it comes down to who can handle the boredom of training every day, doing the same thing over and over and over again. Now, isn't that interesting? Because I have said to people before, every job or every craft that you try and perfect is eventually going to get to a point where you feel bored with it. That you feel you're doing something repetitive. That you feel that you can't get amped up and high on the adrenaline of doing this thing that you really, really love. There are going to be days when you feel that you are just bored with it and it just doesn't delight you anymore. And the people who are the most successful find a way around that and persevere through and continue now that doesn't mean that you're going to not get a craving to change back into a bad habit or to repeat something that is going to give you a bit of an adrenaline kick because you're doing something that's naughty or that you shouldn't be doing uh, or that you know is not going to have a reward at the end of it you're just doing it for that immediate fix but remember success will lie with counteracting your small downfalls and getting back 
into the stream and flow of things as quickly as you possibly can. So I'm going to leave you with those thoughts and uh, we will finish off this book in episode 22, the very next episode. So I hope you got something out of the points in today's episode and I'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you.